want to talk to you just about opening up the door to financial freedom. And um, I'm going back to uh, what Paul told young Timothy. And Timothy is this young pastor in, um, in this growing uh, church. Uh, scholars say that the church in Ephesus that he pastored uh, was probably, it was a house church uh, movement, but it was about 100,000 at its top. And uh, Timothy's this young protege of Paul. And Paul is, this is right before he's going to be imprisoned and going to begin to write the prison epistles. These are the pastoral epistles. And these are letters that Paul is writing to Timothy as a spiritual leader and how to lead right and live right and be faithful to his calling. How to lead right and live right and be faithful to his calling. And he's giving him instruction on how to avoid failure. And there's a mentality in the first century, which is interesting as I studied this out, that's similar to the, to the mentality that we have today. And, and, and that is, is that sometimes that people can, they were viewing that the appearance of wealth equaled godliness. That the appearance of wealth equaled the blessings of God, equaled godliness. So if you look like you were together, then you were together and God's blessing was on your life. And if you look like you had money, then God was blessing your life and so you must be doing something right. And, and again, we all know that's false. And he's going he's gonna to bust up this in just a minute. We, he, we all know that that's a false, falsehood, that that's not true. But that was going around. So Paul is talking to Timothy and saying, look, when it comes to the area of money, when it comes to the area of finance, let me show you how to leverage finance and resources to live right, to lead well, and to avoid mistakes so that you're free to do the work that you're called to do. So let's read this in 1 Timothy chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen. And um, it's also on the backside of your notes. There's some, some backside of your bulletin or some notes if you want to follow along. He says this in verse 6, But godliness with contentment is of great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. For people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love, not money, but the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. For some people eager for money have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, it's just right in your notes. I'm going to follow right along. But, but the first thing he says in verse 6 when he talks about financial freedom, unlocking the door to financial freedom, is this, is to live within your means. Live within your means. I would tell you live below your means, but that's not what he says. So we'll just keep with what he says. Live within your means. Now, Ryan did an awesome job last weekend, and I would encourage you uh, before tomorrow morning when, the new me- when, the, when this week's message goes up on uh, LifeChurchSermontown.com on the media site, to if you weren't here last week, to, to download that. You can actually go to iTunes and RSS that and the whole thing, and it will just directly be uh, onto your account on a regular basis. But he did a great job about talking about debt, and I don't want to spend a lot of time about that. But I do want to say this, that, that he tells Timothy, listen, Godliness with contentment is great gain. If you can live within your means, that's godliness. It's not the appearance that you have more. It's not the the outwardly sign of blessings. It's the fact that you are living within your means and that you are that that, 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 that you're 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 not extending yourself. And sometimes people get we get into this mentality. Well, you know what? I, I have the money, I can make the monthly payment. I have the money that's coming through and, and things are good and the forecast for the future looks good. At least it's solid. And so we can go ahead, let's go ahead and, and extend ourselves on this. The problem with that is this. It's all well and good till you can't pay for it. Mm, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. 
Because the reality is, is that sometimes we look at cash flow and go, oh man, I can handle this because I've got the cash flow so I can pay for this. I can do this so I can do that. But the problem is what happens if that well dries up? What happens if you lose your job? What happens if something goes beyond that? Yeah, God is your source, but God's not the one that told you to go buy that new whatever or, 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 you know, get up to your yin yang and debt, right? You know what I'm talking about? So that's a, that's a spiritual term. So anyhow, are you guys awake? So the deal is, is that we wind up swiping ourselves into happiness. We take our credit card out and we go swipe. And it's just kind of like, wow, I, don't, I need that new, that new driver for my golf bag. Swipe. I need that new dress. Swipe, swipe. Wow, that would be really, you know, it's a cold, cold winter. We live in Wisconsin, Pastor. Mm, we need to get to Florida. Swipe, swipe, swipe. Mm, you know what? It's time for an upgrade, and I need to get some heated seats in my car. Hallelujah. Amen. Dual climate control, because my wife is cold and I am hot. Lord, help us all. Let's just swipe, swipe. And we just swipe our way to happiness. And what Paul's telling Timothy is don't overextend yourself. Don't get out there. Don't, don't begin to order what you cannot pay for. Make sure that you're walking this line. Make sure that you're living within your means. I see people go, well, what's materialism then? That's kind of what you're talking about a little bit. That's kind of the root of that, that the antithesis of contentment is materialism. And materialism is basically this. It's having an obsession with stuff. And you don't have to be rich to be materialistic. Did you know that? Some of the most materialistic people I know don't have, they don't, they don't have anything. Like they got, as my grandfather would say, they have a quarter itch and a nickel to scratch it with. They don't have anything. Because they're obsessed about what everybody has. I mean, they, you know, mm, God must be good to them. That's a nice looking Mercedes right there. Hallelujah. Ooh, that new house. Did you see where they moved to? Do you know where that is? Mm. Did you know that they got a vacation home in Florida? God bless them, Lord. People down in Africa, but they gonna have their Florida house, right? And we judge people. Come on, I'm telling you, we're the world's worst in church. Say, oh me, say, ouch, something. But we really, we are like crabs in a bucket, man. We are gonna pull somebody else down to get ourselves up on top. And the reality is, is that materialism is basically this. Materialism begins where your income ends. So if you make $40,000 a year and you act like you're making 110, you are materialistic. If you're making 150 a year and you're living like you're making 350, you're materialistic. If you're making 350 a year and you act like you're making a million, you're materialistic. And so for the person making 40, they look at the person making 150 and they go, "Mm, that's just materialistic. No, it's not. Because materialism isn't an address. Materialism isn't a name brand. Materialism isn't, isn't a badge on a car. Materialism begins where your income ends. And Paul's telling Timothy, look, it's okay. But you need to make sure you are living within your means. Do not swipe your way to happiness. Make sure that you can pay for what you are ordering. Make sure that you have it. Make sure that you live. And Ryan gave a great, great deal last week, which isn't a new thing, but it's that 10, 10, 80. 10%, the first 10% belongs to God. That's the reason why we're pushing. That's the reason why we're promoting. That's the reason why we're talking about tithing to you. Because when you begin to bring it, God will bless the 90% in your life greater than the 100% that you could manage. I'm just, it just works that way. How? I don't know, but it's just what the word says, and it doesn't. And so we're trying to say, look, try this. The Bible, this is the only place where the Bible says to test God in this is when it, in the area of giving. So the first 10% belongs to God. We don't give it, we bring it because it's his. And then the second 10%, pay yourself. 
A great little read, especially if you're trying to train students in this, is The Richest Man in Babylon. Just, just, it's a secular little book, but it kind of talks about make sure that you're paying yourself. That you're not just paying everybody else, but you're paying yourself. And so 10% of your earnings go into just savings. And, and then the last is live on 80%. And I would encourage you, if you have kids at home, teach them this principle. If you give them a dollar a week for allowance, you say, but they're six, it doesn't matter. Give them a dollar a week for allowance. Give them to them in 10 dimes, whatever you have to do. But the first 10%, it goes to God. And, and we used to do that with the little buddy barrels that, that Pastor Kevin and that, and that Amanda, that they, that they get in Life Kids because they have that once a month. And we just put the little buddy barrel out. So it teaches them that principle of, of I'm giving to God. Because this stuff is taught. Listen, if you don't tithe on 10 bucks, you'll never tithe on 100,000. I promise you. I'm, I'm just telling you. That's kind of like saying, hey, you know what? I got an eating disorder and, I'm gonna, and I can go to a buffet. It ain't gonna happen, all right? I'm just telling you. I'm telling you from experience, it's not going to happen. You cannot go to Roberts and not get custard. Okay, anyhow. So, or, and Dave Ramsey does this where, you know, he does it on $5 as kids get older. So a dollar goes to God and a dollar goes into savings and then three bucks you spend it how you want to. And you teach and train. Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 and 7 says, teach and train your children. Because if we all live that way, we wouldn't have problems when it comes to finances. We would be free with our finances. Not free to give, but free to live. Second thing he says is in verse seven, he says, be smart with your money. Be smart with your money. The antithesis of that statement would be, don't be stupid with your money. That's why I wanted to say it, but I... Because there are, there's such thing as stupid investing. You can invest in things that are gone. You can invest in things that are temporary. You can invest in things that are just here today and gone tomorrow. It's like, it's just burning up your money. It's like being on the wrong side of compound interest is horrible because you are losing money every single month on that credit card. You are losing. And so, because it, it gives you no return. And sometimes we think that, you know, well, God has a problem with us having stuff. No, 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 he doesn't. He just doesn't want you to be stupid with your investing. He wants you to be smart with your investing. Let me prove it to you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If not, it's going to be on the screen. But Matthew chapter 6, verses 19, 20, and 21. Jesus talks about investing. Talks about investing personally. Here's what he says. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, 20, and 21. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust and dust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But, here's a command, verse 20. This is a declarative statement. Store up for yourself. For who? For God? No. For your brother? No. For your kids? No. For yourself. Everybody say yourself. Treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust do not destroy, thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God has no problem with you storing up for yourself treasure. Just don't be stupid about it. Make sure that the investments that you're having are smart investments. Invest your money wisely. Invest your money wisely. Make sure that the dividends that you're getting on your investment are a good return. And here's what Paul is again echoing these words to Timothy that Jesus told the disciples and he told the, the church is that when you, if you invest in this earth, there's coming a day, this isn't some John Cusack 2012 movie, there's coming a day when this world will be destroyed. That's not my words, that's revelation. You read it, it's, it's in. 
And the only way out is him. And you could say that's narrow-minded and whatever, but I'm telling you, I'm on the train out. I'm on, as my grandmother says, I'm on the good old gospel ship. And, and I'm getting out of here. And that's, that's, that's part of the rapture of the church. And so, but the reality is, is so everything in this world is temporary. Have you ever seen a U-Haul behind a hearse? Seriously. It doesn't happen. And can I tell you, listen to me. Well, I'm going to leave it for my kids. They're going to waste it. Come on, let's all be real. You look at your kids and their spending habits, and you think, oh, Lord. Thank God I'm going to get out of here early. Right? Come on, tell the truth, shame the devil. And he knows this. People are people. It doesn't matter if you're in the first century or the 21st century. So Paul tells Timothy, listen, it's okay to invest, but make sure you're smart. Because here's the reality. Only what's done for Christ will last. There's coming a day when this world will be over and we'll all stand before God. And here's the one thing you will not say to me. And we're on the other side. Man, you never gave me the opportunity to invest in heaven. You never gave me the opportunity. I wish you would have pushed me to do this. No, here's a conversation we will have. Thank you. Thank you that you got in my kitchen. Thank you that you got in my grill. Thank you that you talked about money from the platform where a lot of pastors are scared because they're scared that people are gonna leave the church. That's why pastors don't preach about it. And my philosophy is if you're given zero and you get mad and you leave, what have I lost? <laughs> not being, some of you got mad at me. I'm, I'm from Arkansas. I'm not real complicated, but that makes a lot of sense to me. But I didn't write the book. You will say thank you for getting me on a missions trip. Thank you for getting me to give to missions. Thank you for helping me to invest. Even in what we're doing with the, with the buildings, you realize these are just tools, right? But the reality is, is that we're able to reach more people and more people and more people and more people. And you go, why is that important? Because you have sons and daughters and and, and neighbors that don't know Jesus. That keeps me up at night. It should keep you up at night. And so what I'm gonna do is push and prime and, and and, 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 and do anything I can do that's not immoral, illegal, or sinful to get you to leverage everything that you possibly can for the kingdom. That's what he's telling Timothy. Be smart with your money. It's okay to store it for yourself treasure, but just make sure you put it in a place that's gonna last. He goes on to say in verse eight, make sure that when you're dealing with money, the key to, fin- key to financial freedom is having an attitude of gratitude. Having an attitude of gratitude. He says it in verse eight, but if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. That's one of the reasons why, you know, I... Um, I, I, I so push you to give the missions and to be a part of these kind of things. Because how do you, people say, well, how do you develop a heart for that? I don't really have a heart for that. You invest in it. It's what verse 21 in Matthew chapter six just said, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. If you want your heart to be on eternal things, then invest heavily in eternity. If you want your heart, if you want to have a heart for missions and begin to invest in missions, you want to have a heart for the inner city and for the down and out, begin to invest in that. You want to have a heart for, for, for God's church. You may sit there and go, man, I just don't really, 
I'm telling you, you begin to invest in things. You begin to, to, not just with your finances, but with your time and with your talent, you begin to invest in them. Your heart will be connected there. That's how you develop that. And, and, and Paul's telling Timothy, listen, in all of your going and all of your doing and the church growth and the leadership and everything you're doing, don't forget. Be content. Your needs are taken care of. Your needs are taken care of. If you have food and you have clothing, be content. And develop this heart. Give and give and give. And can I tell you something? This is probably one of the hardest things for me to do. I'm just going to be really honest with you. I'm going to tell you what probably, I never had a pastor that was this blunt and honest, but uh, that's just me. I am, by nature, I did not choose this. This is my wiring and makeup. So don't, don't throw stones at me. I am a type A, climb the mountain, mountain climbing overachiever. I get up in the morning and I have a focus. And I just, I go and I go and I go and I go. That's just, that's, that's, that's how I'm wired. And the downside to that is if I'm not careful, what happens in my life is that I become very stingy. I become very selfish. I become, generosity shrinks very quickly in me. And I am all about my mission, my goal, my accomplishment. If you want to be a part of it, great. If you don't, see ya. I don't have time, wouldn't want to be ya. I'm going. I'm not, I'm not telling you that's right. I'm just saying that's how I'm wired. That's, that's my flawed DNA. Some of you, you're just lazy as all get out and you don't want to do anything. That's your problem, right? We all have problems. How, how I deal with that in me is scheming to give. I have a strategy to expand my giving. Because here's what I know. When I begin to do that, when I push, because I'm just not naturally just thinking over generosity. I'm naturally thinking me, not we. But when I began to give and I put a strategy together personally, Tammy and I have this, to give and to expand our giving on a, we have a, we have a system to do this. Because if I don't, it will shrink my heart and all of a sudden I will become so self-centered and so hard-hearted and I won't listen to the voice of God and I'll lose my way. And so that's how I do it. And me, I also make sure that I get a real world view because living in Germantown, Wisconsin or living in, the, in, in Milwaukee and in Wisconsin, we live in a wonderful place and it is so easy to get a jaded view that everybody in the world lives like this. But when I go to an inner city, or I go to a soup kitchen, or I go to a third world country, or I go, I get a real view of how people are living. And it brings me down to reality that there's more people in the world that live like those people than that live like me. And I become very vastly reminded that I'm blessed to be a blessing. And that I will give an account for God. And that the resources that I have in this life are not just for Aaron. They're for the kingdom. And so Paul's telling Timothy, make sure you keep an attitude of gratitude. Remember, bottom line, if you can eat and you got clothes on your back, you're doing good. Anything else is extra. Anything else is bonus. Anything else is is blessings. Make sure you steward the blessings. I tell this, I see this in young couples sometimes because, well, let me, let me get to this next thing next. The, the, the next step is admire without the need to acquire. This is a learned skill. Admire without the need to acquire. Verse nine, he says this, people who want to get rich, 
Not people who are rich. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and trap that too many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and into destruction. It's what we call the monster of more. It's this, I gotta have more, I gotta have more, I gotta have the latest, I gotta have the greatest, I gotta have this, I gotta have this, I gotta have that. And there's more and more and more and more and more. I see this a lot with young uh, singles out of college and young, young families trying to start out. Because here's what happens, we've all been there. You walk into someone's home that's been married for 20 or 25 years and you see what they've been able to acquire or to amass over that amount of time and you want it in the first two years of marriage. You want the house, you want the address, you want the car, you want the amenities, you want the lifestyle. And in our world, it's very easy. You get, it's called credit and you just go out and you swipe your way to happiness. And instead of delayed gratification, sacrificing today for tomorrow, living within or below my means, we do that. That's the reason why you'll drive to neighborhoods and you'll see people in houses and they've got newspaper in the windows because they can afford the house, but it's everything they can afford to get into the house, but they cannot even afford to upkeep the house. They can't afford to do anything because they're just strapped. Instead of just pulling back and going, I can't afford that. We sometimes as young families and young couples go, well, we're just going to stretch. We're just going to try. We're just going to. And so what happens is, is then you begin to, you're hanging out with other young couples or other young singles. And all of a sudden somebody gets a condo or a house. And here's the conversation. Wow. Well, I heard that the only reason why they could afford this is because her parents put the down payment on it. And I heard that this other stuff over here, they went to Ethan Allen and they are up to their yin-yang in debt. And I heard Because, and the reality is what we really want is we wish we had somebody to put the down payment on us and we wish we really had the Ethan Allen furniture. We don't want the debt load, but hey, we like all that. And we're really called, it's called being jealous. And if we're not careful, we're breaking a commandment called don't covet. Covetousness. It's not a word we use very often. But I see what you have and I want it. If you want to know what covetousness is all about in its rawest form, just go to the toddler room right now. Because some child got a cookie. Another child goes, I want that cookie. (laughs) And they walk over and take that cookie. And the other child goes, no, that's my cookie. And no, it's my cookie. And then they begin to see who can throw the biggest temper tantrum. Right? You understand what I'm saying? That's in our base nature. That's who we are. And the problem is it's not with having wealth, but when we are trying to have wealth, when we're striving after riches, when we're striving after to acquire for more, when we're trying to keep up with the Joneses, when we're trying to live like we've been married for 20 years and we've only been married for two, we're trying to have the house and the address and the car and all the, all the accolades that go along with it, we find ourselves in deep weeds in a real quick hurry. And we try to keep up. And, and the best thing I tell young couples is this. When you go to someone's house and they have a nice house, Just say, man, God bless you. That's awesome. Just celebrate with people. You want to know who your true friends are? The people that can celebrate with you. Everybody can pat you on the back when you're down and out. When you're below them, but when you begin to rise up with them and above them, that's when you really find out who people are. Because we're great with with dealing with grief, but we're horrible with, with celebrating success in somebody else's life. And so just admire without the need to acquire. Man, that's awesome. That's great. And can I just tell you, for those of you that may be young couples in this room, this is how we all started. I remember Tammy and I, our first place, uh, we, somebody, we hadn't had the money. So all of our furniture was, was basically hand-me-down. I had, it was just, we, we got to buy a bed, and we bought a couch and loveseat that was plaid. Remember, it was hunter green and burgundy? 
take me back. Right? Come on. And that was early 90s. And so that's what we had. But the recliner was, I bought it at a garage sale. I had it in my dorm room. It was like, I love that recliner. My wife hated it. Talking about Archie Bunker. And so we had that duct tape and everything. But, I mean, our, um, our dining room table was literally like the size of a pool table. It was given to us. And we had no chairs, so we had folding chairs. Twelve folding chairs, because that's how many chairs would fit around that table. Party time, baby. And it was so big in that little kitchen that I would sit at the table. We'd have people over and go, you want some ketchup with those fries? Get the ketchup out of the refrigerator. Shut it. Here you go. Can I get you some, some pickles? Yeah, okay, we got that. I mean, you just have what you have. And, and the deal is, is that it just takes time. And so admire without the need to acquire. Live within your means. And the last thing he says is in verse 10. Don't lust for money. For the love of money, for the lust of money is a root of all kinds of evil. That word money in the original Greek language means mammon, which means it's man-made, it's man-obtained, it's, 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 it, it has nothing to do with divinity, it has nothing to do with God, it's just us. And again, it's not that money's evil, because again, if we were getting paid in M&Ms, it'd be M&Ms. Don't lust for M&Ms. So whatever the currency is, if it's clams, if it's this, if it's that, if it, if it was acreages of land, don't lust for acres of land. I mean, it, it, it's, it's the currency, and there's something about us that we want more and more and more. It's that king of the hill. If I have the biggest pile of whatever, then I'm, I've got the most, and if I've got the most, then I'm it. And the reason why he says don't lust for money, don't, don't go after money, it, he says it right there, because here's what he says. For some people, eager for money, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Do you know that you can be right with God and be right in your faith and be led away because of money? You, you can be right with God and led away and lose your faith. And, and, and here's the big question if you want to go, well, man, how do I find out if I'm that? Because again, there's nothing, let me say this, and if you're around me at all, you, you know this to be true. There's nothing wrong with having a nice home. There's nothing wrong with having a vacation place in Florida. There's nothing wrong with having, having a boat or, you know, a country club membership or having this or that or not having anything. It, 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 it's immaterial. The, the, the question is simply this. Is at the end of the day, do things have you or do you have them? Can you take the keys and lay them on the table and give them to God? If God told you right now to sell everything you have and follow him, could you do it? And the only person who knows the answer to that is you and him. That's what he asked the rich young ruler, remember? He says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? He says, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and follow me. And the Bible says he couldn't do it. Why? It wasn't because he had money. It was because money had him. There's nothing wrong with having finances. There's nothing wrong with having wealth. But there's something wrong when it has you. And when you can't walk away from it, when you can't serve God palms up, when you can't do, you're not free. You may go, but man, I am so, I have so much money and, and my, my net worth is in the millions. I don't care. It owns you. See, financial freedom is not just about debt reduction. 
and living in cash flow where cash is king in our society. Financial freedom is saying, this doesn't own me. Nothing owns me except for my relationship with Jesus Christ. I serve nothing other than my relationship with Jesus Christ. I live for nothing other than him. And you go, that's easy for you to say. No, 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 no. This isn't a pastoral thing. This isn't a minister thing. This is a Christian, a Christ follower thing. And Paul's telling Timothy, if you want to be financially free, then make sure you live within your means so that you're not overextending yourself. Make sure that you're smart with money, that you're investing in things that are eternal because that's where your heart's going to be. And if you have too much investment in this world and not enough investment in eternity, your heart's going to be more in this world than it is going to be in eternity. And you do not have a proper perspective and you cannot serve God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Understand that all we're promised on this earth is food to eat and clothes on our back. Everything else is bonus. Everything else is gravy. Admire without the need to acquire and make sure you do not lust after money, the acquisition of stuff. Because if things own you, God doesn't. I'm telling you, I'm right in the middle of some of your kitchens. And you're really wishing I would just go on, but I want to camp here just for a second because I'm going to pray and then we're going to be done with the service today. But that's the big question. Because you can have everything else right, but the stuff owns you. The things own you. And I'm telling you, the only way to break the greed out of your life is to give it away. You go, that is a pretty bold statement. That's not my words, it's his. Things are fine. But if they own you, they're not. And I'm telling you, there are times in your life where God will speak to you and say, I want that. And that might be your bass boat. That might be your, 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 your shopping spree. Mm. That might be your, your spa. That might be your, your, your mani-pedi that you get every week. That might be, be your, it's your latte. Oh, Lord, don't take that away from me at Starbucks, right? Come on. It's, it's relative. It's different for everybody. It may be that there's... These aren't my words, these are his words. And I'm not telling you what to do, because again, I don't think there's anything wrong with having stuff. The Bible doesn't say anything. But the problem is that when it owns you. Because if it owns you, it'll take you away from what God's called you to do. And you are not financially free. You may be financially independent of other people, but you're not financially free to live a life that God wants you to. And there's something about it, man. I've met people that are wealthy that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and they're miserable. I mean, they are stinking rich. But they're miserable. And they drown their sorrows in all kinds of addictions. And I've met other people who are just as wealthy. I mean, stinking rich, right? You know what I'm talking about? Just fat, nasty, loaded. But they love Jesus. And everything they have, they live for the audience of one. It's his. And God continues to bless them and bless them and bless them and bless them because they are faithful with what they have. And only you can answer that question. Only you can open the door to financial freedom and close the door on debt in your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word.